And it's a rainy Sunday with your favorite boys. Back again, the TrojanSports.com podcast. Up ahead, we've got some recruiting updates. We'll talk Trey and Toa. We're going to talk about those Todd McNair documents. Plus, we've got your questions from the message board. And we'll even see if Chris Swanson can go Buffalo Bill. That's all ahead on the TrojanSports.com podcast. The big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on bread. Rivals.com. Why are you laughing over there? Welcome to the TrojanSports.com podcast. That kicks off. Thank you for the landing. Right now. Right now. Nobody's going to know what you're talking about. Are you referring to the Buffalo Bill comment? Now, yeah. see, you're supposed to, you're now like four weeks past due on your homework. See, this wouldn't fly if this was a college course. If we were in class at USC and Sean Cody was sitting next to us, he you wouldn't have, you would have failed. He, well, he wouldn't have Are you attended. implying he didn't attend? Because he said he was in class a lot with you. Anyway, you were supposed to watch Airplane, and you still haven't. Yeah. Why? We're in the airplane room. I thought that was here at the Yahoo Sports headquarters. I think we've done that joke already. You still don't have an answer why you haven't watched Airplane. But you know what I did? And I'm. You know what I did watch this week? Silence of the Lambs. Preoccupied. I watched Silence of the Lambs. It's a great movie. You forget how amazing of a movie it is. And when the Buffalo Bill scene came with Goodbye Horses playing in the the background, did you like mimic it? Uh, Maybe. I, I might have that video to send you. But the only thing I thought to myself is now in my life over the last year since meeting him and now beginning this podcast with you I guys I actually have somebody in my life and that is the publisher of Trojansports.com Chris P. Swanson who I really think would be capable of doing this like on a Wait, normal basis what? the entire thing well can I just tell the you the dance the tuck the murder everything I do drive around looking for women that are about size 14 you know to make a skin <laughs> suit I don't get what the big deal is that's that's and with hobby. that, everyone, welcome to the Sabbath edition. Sunday, we are here on a Sunday recording the Trojansports.com podcast. That's Chris P. Swanson. With <laughs> yeah, that's him. That is Adam J. Maya, who looks so uncomfortable. He looks like you're about to make a skin suit out of him. <laughs> Look at my shirt. What does it say? Faith, hope, and love? Yeah. Is that because you were at church earlier today? Yeah. Like a good Christian boy? Teaching the children's ministry. Hannibal Lecter and, and Chris teaches children too. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> technically it's a ministry. <laughs> uh, we should just end on that now. Actually, but we won't. We've got a lot to get to. We've got some recruiting updates we're going to get to in a moment. Adam's bumper sticker award. We've got some summer workouts. Plus, Michael Webb, friend of the show from the Orange County Register, is going to join us. We've got a list of the top 15 most valuable Trojans of 2015 that uh, we'll break down with him. On this Sabbath, He's the Homish Booker. I don't like where we're going. Recruiting updates. Let's begin. (laughs) Gentlemen, I'll turn it over to you. And uh, why don't you take it from there? (laughs) Why not? There's a lot to update. Um, You know, we we got some uh, some updates from Jordan Parker and Devin Asiasi, our sources close to those two, because, you know, there's been some activity there. Jordan Parker, obviously the cornerback that recently decommitted from UCLA. Some people are not going to like what you're about to say. Oh, they won't. But we have to be responsible. We have to report what's true. I'll point out that we have reported plenty of things from sources before. We haven't been wrong, even though we've gotten flack for it. It it might not be overly positive, but some of it's still positive. Let's get right to it. I thought Jordan Parker was a good thing. It's pretty, I think it's positive. Jordan Parker, um, sources close to him are saying that UCLA is now officially out of it, even though I don't think he's going to say that publicly and UCLA will still try to recruit him. Um, but according to these sources, you, they were surprised when he didn't pick USC the first time. They kind of have always thought that USC is near the top of his list. They expect the Trojans to be number one right now of the schools that have offered him a scholarship. But he's highly interested in Oregon. If the Ducks offer him a scholarship, sources close to Jordan Parker expect him to commit to Oregon. But if Oregon doesn't offer him a scholarship, USC is in great standing with him right now. So definitely a player to keep an eye on. 
Oregon also has not offered that scholarship yet. So USC has a chance. Oregon befuddles me. I would have thought going back the last five years, we would have seen a major turn from Oregon in recruiting. They're recruiting better than they ever have, but they're not recruiting top 10 classes. See, okay, we kind of disagree here. And I, and yes, they're not recruiting top 10 classes according to the Rivals.com standings or the you know other site standings well, or they, whatever. They utilize people well. They develop That's, players well. They have a wonderful system. But you cannot tell me that they have more talent than these other top 10 classes. Are you ready Maybe for your not. gratuitous knock on the Rivals system? I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right okay. now. Yes. Mark the I, tape. I actually think that Oregon's recruiting classes are, are much higher. Yes. I think that they find guys that are walking around that actually are four stars that other people haven't noticed yet. The reason I say this, and I, and I do believe that their system helps a lot, but you know, with the kind of record they put up over the last few years, even with that system, there's something else going on. You know, Everybody would run that system if you could just turn any team into a 10-win team doing that. So I think, I think you're right. I think that, yes, you know, they don't recruit the same kind of talent that Alabama and USC does, but it's a little bit higher than people think. Just in my opinion, just based on what they've done on the field, I would just have to think some of those guys they're getting a little bit more talented than they're rated. Okay. But I get your point, Adam. Sorry to, sorry to do that. I can't <laughs> argue with the results. Oregon's doing fine. Yeah. You know, I, I have no advice for them or anything. I just am surprised that they haven't brought in a bigger haul year in and year out. You would think that, you know, if you compete for a national title like five consecutive years that they've done. I would think that every four and five star guy that is on the West Coast that you know is already committed to USC or debating between USC and UCLA would also be factoring in Oregon. I think that Oregon's probably you know, if you're not, if we're leaving the academic factor out of it, and because then that's kind of when Stanford becomes one of those top options too. I think Oregon's probably that third option beneath USC and UCLA because all these kids come from LA. You know, those are kind of the first two they look at. I think just from a stay close to home standpoint. I think what hurts Oregon is you know, it's in they're Eugene. in Eugene. Yeah, they're in <laughs> Eugene, and it's a great campus and it's beautiful, but it's kind of isolated from you know the big cities and that. Yeah. So. But obviously they're doing well for themselves, and and they might do very well for Jordan Parker. He's obviously highly interested. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Another update, though. Are Devin Asiasi. We're moving on, Devin Asiasi. Yeah. USC, obviously, um, you know, we talked about many shows about how much, how many issues they have at tight end, how they have no depth. Well, <laughs> that's not going to be a problem anymore, right? I mean, they've added Daniel Imor to Bebe. They have a. a uh, commitment from Carrie Angeline from you know across the country. Uh, this last class there, T- Tyler Petit, they got the transfer Taylor from t- yeah Taylor Mac- McNamara. So now they're they're loaded at tight end, and, and there's some effects to that. Devin Asiasi, you know, prospect from De La Salle, was always highly interested in the Trojans. Um, it seems like they kind of fallen out of favor with him, according to sources close to him. Seems like Washington is the team to beat now, and you know Michigan, UCLA are interesting in him too um, because they have more room for. When, him. Well, yeah, when I hear that, it tells me that USC is cool on him. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I, they probably cooled on him from the perspective of they don't need tight ends anymore, and they're recruiting him right. as a tight end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't trying to degrade yeah. his potential. I I think that. Um, they, I mean, they probably want him on defense. I think a lot of schools do want him on defense, and uh, they are recruiting him as a tight end, as I said before. He's but, adamant about playing tight end. Yeah, he. That's the thing, and 
there's too many at USC. So source is close to him, and and what I should say too, because you know some people get upset with the term sources, very close to him, like basically speaking for him, you know. Mm, and I'm right. very confident in saying that. Right. I wouldn't just say that if it was like the you know his cousin's school janitor or something like that. You know, they're you saying talk to the janitor. In a minute. It's been a while. It's been, he's giving me, some, janitor, he's giving me some bad information. I can't source. use him as a source. Anymore. Did you ever go Buffalo Bill with the janitor or no? No, he wasn't big enough for the skin suit to okay. fit. You know, he's, a, he's I'm glad you I got kept that him in, in the Congrats. well. You wanted me to. Loop, you wanted me to loop it back in. Yeah, I kept him in the well for a while. I had precious <laughs> bark at him, but no, no. God, skin you suit. really know. So I, I couldn't have I, guessed. If you said right now, Chris, I'll give you a year subscription to Trojansports.com for free. <laughs> if you could guess the name of the dog. I don't think I would have come up with Precious. I think it's Precious. I'm pretty sure about that. I have seen those movies a hundred thousand times. Read the books. And really? Yeah. Buffalo Red, Bill. Red Dragon's my favorite movie, by the way. I just got to say That's that. That's funny. They used to call me Red Dragon. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> I, I don't know. Devin Asiasi. Devin Asiasi. Maybe. Um, um, yeah, you know, okay. I think he's a 270. I think they prefer to have him on defense if they could, but he wants to play tight end, so he's not coming to USC, basically, is what we're saying. Things could change, but I don't right, see uh, Yeah, because right now, we he, don't see him coming. He's not coming. Okay. What about Jordan Elliott? Jordan Elliott is interesting. <laughs> Jordan Elliott. We, we need to have what a about Jordan, Elliott? Jordan Elliott segment every Every. Week. Can we just have a podcast every day to have a Jordan Please, no. Is Jordan Elliott committed to Houston still? Because like, he released he, his five official visits, didn't include them. Yeah, I guess they're local, so they're like, you know, in... Well, yeah, a lot of uh, L.A. guys don't kick an official USC. It's, but I, I know, but when you're committed, you kind of do. I see. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. interesting. So, we, yeah. anyway, <laughs> he named five <laughs> official visits. USC is one of them. He, you know, before he committed to Houston after decommitting from Baylor, he had USC as his number one school. Why do we even say this? Who cares? Like, tune in February and see what this kid does because who knows, right? Yeah. I think USC has a pretty good shot, though. He visited for Rising Stars Camp. He's going to visit again. He named them his number one school at one time <laughs> I mean, in between Baylor and Houston and, you know, right. the six other schools he's going to commit to in the next okay. two months. So. I can't wait. I know. it's good. can't wait to call him, like, every day. When All right. Yeah. We love you, Jordan. We should talk summer workouts. Well, okay. We can go there. Because everyone loves summer girls, and who doesn't remind <laughs> me of a summer girl like Crispy Swanson? <laughs> I thought I reminded you of the guy that cuts girls up to wear their skin. Listen, okay? The humor of the show is not based on trying to keep track of any of these okay. things. It's just right. I'm sorry. funny double entendre. Is there humor in this show? I wouldn't know because I've never listened. <laughs> That's good. Out of J. Maya, why don't we go with summer workouts? <laughs> I thought it would be a, an appropriate time to talk about Cody Kessler and Max Brown. Cody had been absent for a week working at the Elite 11, and he returned this past week. Max Brown has been running the team and running those workouts with Cody gone. And anyway, so we're watching them every day, and we're debating like we stand there and we're debating who's better that's what it's come to yeah that that's where max brown is at yeah well hey you know what i'm i'm just gonna be very honest with you if cody kessler was not the starter already you know and we kind of we know going in like oh he's probably going to be the guy they're not going to shake this up when you know he came back and yeah could be a heisman contender i wouldn't know 
who the starter is, you know? Like, really, I, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Wick and Kessler early on when they were really close. Well, no, no, no. I mean, but different because sure, they're both more seasoned. Like, and similar in terms of, like, of how, how close they are. Yeah, how but close they are. much higher level yes, of play. I, I That's agree. why we're saying this. Yeah. Not because we're just putting our eggs in the Max Brown basket, but um, we don't think Cody's playing well. Cody's playing great. I got, I think Cody looks much better looks than he did a year better, ago. Yeah. Way, actually, I'm glad you said that because to me, and I thought that yeah, I was just I, making this up in my head. He's one of the most improved players in the last 12 he's months. Way, he's way better than he was. I mean, that's so funny to say, you know, considering they threw like, you know, 50 touchdown, 35, whatever it was. But mm, it seems like, yeah, he's, he's made that progress. His arm strength, you know, seems like there's more of it there. He's more accurate. He's looking for more receivers, in my opinion, at least yeah. what I've seen. So, yeah, I think he has improved. But Max Brown is a heck of a player, and I think he's going to step right in. And, you know, he might be a Heisman Trophy candidate, like, year one for him. You interviewed Max, and I did. you told, and he told you, "I'm pushing Cody mm-hmm. Kessler." He which did. You read that, and you know, I mean, you grin, like, okay, he, he, he knows what he said. Yeah, quarterbacks are usually pretty careful with their words, but and, and Max isn't someone that's prone to hyperbole. Well, there's a better quote, even. There's okay. a better quote. The the gap, comma, if there is one is almost non-existent or very close. He's basically implying that I think I'm, I'm right as there good. With him. Yeah, I think I'm as good as this guy right now. Yeah. A lot of commas. A lot of commas. <laughs> I agree. That, and I bring it up because I agree. I agree I that too. he's right there with him. And I, I think it's so good for them that he's pushing Cody. Oh, it makes a huge difference because if there, if somebody does isn't there to push you, you know, do you do you maintain that high level? You know, there's a couple quarterbacks that come to mind at USC recently where, uh, you know, maybe they dropped off in production a little bit uh, in a season that they returned, and you wonder, yeah, did that I competition mean, Barkley, Matt Barkley, yes, that's the, one of the guys I was going to mention. You know, there's nobody there to push him when he came back for his last year, and, and everybody's talking about how he's a Heisman Trophy contender and all this, and he regressed. Maybe that had to do with the fact that there wasn't a confident number two saying, hey, man, if you regress, I'm going to take your job. I also think back to Matt Leinart in 2005, and it's hard to call that season a regression because he did have you know such great you know, yeah, statistics. But, but he played better his sophomore yeah, junior. That year that he won the Heisman, he played I think he better. played better even the year I, before I that. actually agree with you. I think that Matt Leinart's first year was his best year, I re- yeah. and I think he should have won the Heisman Trophy that year. And that was the year in w- when he won the job over four other people. Yes, exactly. He, he got four other Competition. people. Competition. Mm-hmm. Competition. Mm-hmm. There you go. See? I like where you're going. Ah, so maybe Max Brown pushes Cody Kessler to a new level we haven't seen, maybe even a level that we don't expect because I think we've talked about before, like we don't exactly, you know, we think very highly of Cody Kessler as a quarterback, but I, we don't place him on the same level as those Leinards, those Carson Palmers, Mark Sanchez, even if his numbers compare. Yeah, but but with them, they had the benefit of having another one near them. Yes. Palmer had Leinert and Matt Castle, and Leinert had Castle, and then John David Booty. Yes. And then Booty had Sanchez. Mm-hmm. And Sanchez just kind of, he had the job. I mean, he had Mitch Mustang. Yeah. Well, but also Sanchez, if you think about those guys too, Sanchez like battled with Booty in a way. Like Booty, right, though he's above right, him, right. helps him. 
Matt Barkley didn't have that at all. He just came in and it's like, oh, it's your right. job, kid. Like, and then yeah. and Cody Kessler really didn't have that until this year, really, because even though he's battling with Max, it, they weren't well, battling at a high, Max, yeah, yeah, they weren't battling at a high level. It's like, oh, we're pushing you to get better. It's just like, who's better? Let's figure it out. Yeah. All right. So there you go. And, Did we cover that? No, I, I, <laughs> no, we did. And I mean, we're seeing that. I think. We see that competition brewing at many positions. Yes. We'll talk more about that if we get into camp, but I think that's going to be the biggest difference that we're going to see from last year to this year mm-hmm. okay. in training camp. Quick little... I, there wasn't a lot of competition no. a year ago in training camp. There wasn't. I think there'll be a lot. I think especially at wide receiver. That's yeah. why I'm so interested in wide receiver because those two junior college kids, they, well, they, they all have something to prove. They do, including Juju. They they do, they do. But you know, usually, like Juju is supposed to be that like heir apparent or whatever. And Stephen Mitchell, we expect a lot out of him. We're kind of already naming guys that we expect to be favorites, but these junior college kids, you know, DeQuan Hampton, Isaac Whitney, really showing me like, hey, I should, you know, maybe I should be number one. That's kind of well, what they have they're, no time to waste. Either. Exactly, but they, they need to make an impact now. That, but that's what they're showing me already out here in the summer is like, yeah. hey, don't forget about us. You know, I mean, I hate to say because Darius Rogers has been hurt, but we've kind of forgotten about him as like a potential, you know, number one threat, I think. He had a good team. spring. He had, yes, a good, he had a good spring. He, he needed to. He has been a little bit nicked up. So yeah. I would expect that he would come back in training camp and pick up where he left off. Yeah. So that that's the position. If I had to pick one, I, I know I'm going off uh, the yeah. list here a little bit, but that's the one I would pick. All right. Are we ready for the bumper sticker? Yeah. Or no. No? Yeah? Yeah, they'd be good. We're ready. Okay. Yeah. We're ready. Let's play that music, Chris Morales. Okay, we're going to leave that on. Oh, uh, let's play the music. <laughs> Glad I saved Are it. Are you saying it because I'm white? <laughs> about the music or the bumper sticker? Never mind. I work. lost you. I didn't get the, the joke. joke. Listen, Faith Hope Love, you better <laughs> no. stick to movie jokes. That <laughs> way we don't. Funky music, Wait, and the, white boy. The, the music is... Oh, play Sasso. that funky music, white boy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But we're not playing that music. It, uh, right. Adam, you're Wild white? Cherry, by the way. <laughs> Maybe. We'll come back with that when we, uh, when we do the mic. cut all this stuff. No, we're not going to cut any of it out. We're going to keep it all this in. This is playful banter, my yes. friend. This Have is... you ever seen a grown man naked, by the way? <laughs> you would get that reference. If you would watch the movie. That's Airplane. right. Who is the Bumper Sticker Award winner this weekend? Uh, this week, actually, Adam J. Maya. All right. We show up at 7.30 for these workouts. Oh, right? I thought you were going to say for this podcast. No, we don't, actually. <laughs> but go ahead. He's giving it to us, by the way, no, for no, our hard work. No. No? no. I'm just trying to put this in context. Okay. We show up at 7.30 a.m. for the summer workouts. By the time we've gotten there, who's already leaving? The strength and conditioning coaches. They're unbelievable. So it's they're true. there. They're there at like 5.30. And they conduct their team run, team workout, before I'm even alive. Mm-hmm. And, and they're out the door by the time I get there. Yep. And I'd like to think that I'm getting there at a reasonable hour. Yep. I mean, but they're already done. I mean, I know. so I feel like they've been unbelievable. Ivan Lewis and staff, more than deserving of uh, the Trojan of the Week bumper sticker award. Well, do you remember the, the quick conversation we had? With Ivan, or I might have been trying to have a conversation with him, and you were just there. He you was know. running away, not not because of you, but because he's on he's, the move. He doesn't waste time. No, he doesn't waste time, and I'm sure he, if it was me, I'd be running to get home if I had to get yeah. up in, or to get know. away from you. I mean, oh, that's true too. I yeah. mean, I do smell pretty bad, as you guys know here. Thank at the you, Yahoo Sports Radio Studio or whatever this is. I was that's never going to make that public. <laughs> I've always thought now that. Now it's known. But I've never said it. Now it's known. 
Um, anyway, a conversation we had with Ivan Lewis as he was leaving is the USC football coaches are, you know, July is their month right. to kind of relax, re- you know, unwind, which they they're, should they're have. On vacation. Yeah, they should have that month because they work the other 11, 24 hours a day, yeah. you know. So we found that out. So we went, I went up to Ivan Lewis and I was like, hey, man, like, you don't get a break? You don't get a vacation? And what did he say? Strength and conditioning coaches never take a break. You asked him, hey, next workout on Friday? Because it was Tuesday. Oh, yeah. And, and he's he like, we're said, here every day. He's like, tomorrow. <laughs> we're here every right. day. Because he, he didn't know that you meant, like, the, the player run yeah, workout. Yeah, yeah, That's right. I'm glad you remembered this conversation because yeah. I obviously... Oh, you can keep making something up. But yeah. You want me... <laughs> and then we went and we had coffee and breakfast together, and he get, we exchanged phone numbers, and me and Ivan are besties. Yeah. So besties? Besties. Okay. I made all that up, he, by the way. But I'm I thought kidding. you said I was all right, Spider. I did. Okay, I did. Adam doesn't get that. Yeah. I don't get that reference. Okay, either. I'm gonna watch. You don't that. get that. Is that from Airplane Two? No, that's from Goodfellas. Oh, wow. I've seen Goodfellas. Everything is just off the tracks. Now. I'm so confused. We were in that room earlier for a moment. The Goodfellas room here yeah. at Yahoo. Didn't we go in there? I don't. I don't know. know. I, that I was do, Forrest Gump. Do, do they have a Goodfellas room? That's a very violent movie. Well, they do have a, a Scarface room. Oh wow! But that's in tribute of me for a whole other uh, kitten caboodle. Why? Do you I think we're ready for a break. It's time for a break. Like, Adam's, Adam's preventing you. us from getting inappropriate. Have you noticed? This? I, I don't think it. you prevented very well, considering no. how this show began. No, but that's okay. <laughs> Michael, let me do the dance for you, Chris. Michael Levitt's blowing up my phone. Is he? Yeah. What's he sending? <laughs> Is he watching Buffalo Bill too? <laughs> <laughs> He's ready for our conversation. The whole mishpucha. Okay, Michael Lev from the Orange County Register is going to join us. Uh, I had something funny I was going to say during your bumper sticker I war, it. and now I can't recall what it was, and I'm I feel I feel dirty now. Oh, feel that's dirty. too bad because I know you're going to on a very humid Sunday because of the rain. Yeah. Okay. Trojansports.com podcast. If you're hearing this for free because you're not a subscriber, be sure to subscribe to Trojansports.com. Thank you, Chris Morales. Because it's cheap. Who doesn't like a cheap date? Chris P. Swanson may be the cheapest date I, out there. I am. And he take may, me anywhere. Just and look, take me out. He might just make a skin suit out of you. <laughs> I will. Okay, message board segment coming up. Also, Michael Lev <laughs> next. Right here, the Trojansports.com podcast. Watch out for my van, kids. <laughs> I thought you said it was, I was all right, Spider. So you- no, you ain't all right, Spider. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by Rivals. 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 Back on the Trojansports.com podcast. Time for friend of the show, Michael Webb from the Orange County Register. He joins us. Adam Maya, Chris Swanson, me, Chris Morales. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing well. Thank you for spending uh, a few minutes with us here on the Trojansports.com podcast. I thought you had a question. Happy to do so. I don't have a question for him. I I always just wonder why somebody would take the time to join us, but they like you, Adam. That is a question. Whatever then. Michael, uh, we actually have been talking about you a little bit on the podcast. You might have heard. I know you heard. I know you like our podcast. Um, How's your your knee doing? Oh, well, thanks for asking. for those who don't know, yeah, I suffered a traumatic uh, fractured tibial plateau, which is kind of a fancy way of saying a broken leg, uh, last month, mid-June, early June. And I'm doing a lot better now. I can bend my knee. I'm, I'm close to walking. I hope to be able to fully participate in training camp a la Jabari <laughs> Ruffin, Chad Wheeler, 
uh, Greg Townsend Jr., you know, some of these other guys who are on the mend from recent ailments. Yeah. So, no media day then? What's that? No Pac-12 media day? I hope to be a Pac-12 media day. Okay. I might need, you know, Adam, I might need some someone to, like, carry my bag yeah. at times. You know, Adam's perfect um, for that. Kind of like, uh, kind of like Gary on Veep. I don't know if people know that <laughs> reference or not, but yeah. um, you know, you might be elected at some point. You know, in uh, exchange for me appearing on your podcast. Now, Adam, what so, would you charge for that service? What would you charge, Michael? No, well, wait, we have McKenna going, don't we? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> not nice. it off. <laughs> no, really, she's not big enough to carry that bag, dude. But. Michael's got a lot she of stuff. Michael's going to have a lot of stuff in that bag. Yeah. When you're a when you're a big star like Michael, you got a lot of stuff in your bag. Notice how much stuff I have in my bags. It's Chris Watson shows up why. with no bag. No bag because I'm not a star. <laughs> there you go. Michael Webb from the Orange County Register on the Trojansports.com podcast. All right. Michael, you recently did a list of the top 15 uh, MVPs, if you will, of, of 2015 for USC. Your projections for... Who will be the 15 most important players? We were looking to go through that list with you a little bit and maybe debate some of your rankings. Go for it. Okay. Um, I'm wondering where we should begin. Uh, it's a little bit rough for me because I helped you with the list. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little bit, right? Come on. So I, I agree with a lot of it. Because I, I agree with myself. But um, you began with Trey Madden at 15, who you initially did not include in your, your rough draft. Talk about why you, you put him in and, you know, why you made him 15. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you talk, you've written about it a little bit, kind of this idea of the, the thunder and lightning combo at running back. I don't think anyone anyone believes that this, you know there's going to be a, as big a disparity in terms of the number of carries mm-hmm. this upcoming season as we saw last year, where really Buck Allen carried the load. I mean I don't have those figures in front of me, but I mean it feels like he got about seventy percent of the carries. Right. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Sark is going to want to split up the duties a little bit more. Um, we all think Justin Davis has the ability and the the capability to be that kind of workhorse back, but we don't know that for sure. And Trey Madden brings a different skill set than what Justin has. Trey is really a true power back. He's also a good receiver out of the backfield. Um, And I think in an ideal world, you know, he's playing a role. He's getting about 10 to 12 touches a game and going to have 800 to 900 yards on the season really be a pretty big, you know, pretty significant factor. I think what everyone needs to remember, too, when you look at this list and you see two running backs on there, mm-hmm. everyone knows, you know, USC has all these great quarterbacks and all these great receivers, but Sark really wants to run the ball, establish that foundation of the run, and then kind of do everything off of that. So I think there's room in a, in a, in a top 15 MVP ranking for two back. What do you think, Chris? I agree. Um, at 15, though? Where would well, you put him? I think that's about fair just because, you know, there's some question marks with, you know, his past injuries and, and how much he's going to do. I would I would probably put Justin Davis and Trey Madden a little bit closer because I'm not really sure which one of those guys at the end of the day is going to be, like, the guy, if there is a guy. By the way, he did put Justin on there at number five. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I would definitely include two, especially, you know, the way Sarkeesian runs the ball, like Michael mentioned, you know, and, and he he emphasized to me, too, last time I talked to him, like, hey, we're going to have a thousand-yard rusher no matter what. That's I think just, they might have two. Yeah, that's just kind of how they do it. You know, they run a lot of plays. They they emphasize running the ball down people's throats. So I'm totally okay with, with Trey Madden making that list. I think 15 is about fair, too. Yeah, I, and I'm glad you put Trey on there. I personally would have him probably around between 10 and 12, a little bit higher for the reasons that you guys mentioned about, you know, his potential and also Sark's insistence on using running backs. You have to remember they have a very young receiving core who we all agree can be very, very good. But I think early on in the year, we're going to see a lot more Trey. And, and I don't think that he'll be carefully integrated in the offense. I feel like he might have big games early in the year. And I think that he's a guy that could even vie for that starting job. I mean, on the depth chart, they keep putting him as a co-starter, which I thought was even unfair a little bit to Justin, given the way he played in spring. But I see Trey with a load of potential and being a different kind of running back, like you said, Michael. I think that Trey... He has to prove it, right? That's what you said. Like, we haven't seen him go through a whole year healthy. And that's why you can leave him off the list entirely. But I'm going to bet on him, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, I put him around 10 because I think that he will play the entire year and therefore have a really impactful year. I feel like if, if there were, let's say there's 30 carries in a game. Yeah. I feel like Justin maybe gets 15, Trey gets 10, and then freshman. TBD gets five, you know? Mm-hmm. I sort of see that as kind of the distribution of things. Um, also, something worth noting is they're probably going to eclipse 30 carries in the first two games of the season against Arkansas State oh, and yeah. Idaho. Yeah. Um, probably going to get a big lead, probably going to run the ball the majority of the second half of both of those games. So there's going to be a lot of work for the, right. the Trey Madden of the world and, you know, maybe Ronald Jones or, Cedric Ware, whoever kind of emerges as that third guy. Yeah, I, I think they're going to try to run the ball, and not just in the, in the opener in game two, but I think each each week they're going to be looking to run the ball 40 times. I think that they would have done that last year if they would have had Justin up to speed or Trey healthy. I mean, they, they really didn't. They, they had like half of Justin and no Trey and all Buck. And therefore, they ran, you know, 27, 28 times a game. I could see that number jumping by a good 30% there. When you run over 100 plays a game, that makes sense. You know, yeah. they probably should well, do that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question. Are they going to run more plays than they did last year? I think they kind of, I feel like they kind of backed off mm-hmm. a little tempo because the defense was so thin. Yeah. You know, they didn't want to wear them out. I mean, I'll be really interested to watch that mm-hmm. you know, early in the season and as the year goes on and you get some, some injuries starting to kick in. Because if you have the more play, obviously it's sort of obvious, but the more plays you run, the more opportunities there are for different guys to get touches. So let's say they run, I don't know, 10% more plays this year. That brings more guys into the mix. All right, I'm going to read off a few more of these rankings. And Chris, I want you to stop me if you see something that stands out to you and you think... That I disagree with? Yeah, <laughs> okay. basically. Okay. okay, so 14, you had... Uh, <laughs> indubitably, you had Clyde Pelon and Gelvon Simmons. 
who are one person. So we, we, we joke about that all the time. Delvon, Pelon, um, we can't really, we can tell them apart, but it's hard to know who's doing what sometimes between the two of and them. And that system too, it's tough when you have three defensive linemen to really figure out, yeah. you know, who like the, the big right. time guy, that, unless it's a Leonard Williams. It was Leonard and the boys last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so I, I get that ranking. 13, Lamar Dawson. 12, Antoine Woods. 11, John Plattenberg. Are you going to stop me? Uh, no, I mean, well, I can make a little comment. I think that, you know, I think these rankings are, are like Plattenberg and Woods kind of, you know, they're important. It's like if they show up, this is where they're going to be ranked, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not necessarily, he's not necessarily the 11th best player on the team. It's just... He's that important, right? Yeah, I could see that value. Yeah, they start whatever value means. Yeah, well, they start having an MVP vote. <laughs> you know, they start and yeah, they they have to play like they have to play well or they'll do poorly. So so far, I agree. Lamar Dawson coming back from injury, I think he's going to be really important this year because they have a lot of youth. You know, Antoine Woods kind of you know stapling down that defensive line that's missing. Williams and Plannberg has to step up in the secondary, or they're not going to have safeties again. Okay. Chad Wheeler is his third lineman. Um, he has Chad Wheeler at number 10. I disagree with Toa that. Toa at 7, and Turk at 4. Let's talk about Chad. I'd move Chad up. I, I mean, I mentioned it last week. I think that if he if he's there playing as well as he was last year before he got hurt, they're going to have a really good offensive line. And if he's not there, I'm not so sure about their offensive line. So to me, he's like top 5. W- w- Michael, is he I, hard to rank? I agree with Chris's premise, um, and I heard him say that last year, and I think it's one of the things I wrote in the uh, in the post on Chad Wheeler is that he's kind of the difference between the line being good and the line being potentially great. You know, everything yeah. just kind of lines up the right way if you put Chad Wheeler in there. Then you don't have to force someone to play left tackle who maybe isn't ready to play there or doesn't belong there. Um, we all know Toa Lobanon is a really promising young player. He's not big enough to be a tackle in major college football. He did an admirable job in a difficult situation last Mm -hmm. year, but I wouldn't want to put him out there again if they didn't have to. So I I kind of agree with Chris. As I'm looking at this list, I feel like maybe Chad Wheeler uh, should have or could have been a little bit higher. All right. Um, I'm going to... Okay, your next ranking is number nine, Stephen Mitchell. And that was one that I think we talked about a lot when you were making the list. I, I'm i almost compelled to put Mitchell ahead of Juju. I understand why you put Juju lower. You put it at number six. But that's my hunch. That's my, my bold prediction or what have you. Stephen Mitchell will be the most explosive player on offense this year, in my opinion. I could see that. I think, I think that's it. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, it's just, I think that he could easily become the number one receiver just throughout the year. That's that's my point. You know, he's he looks that talented that he's a different kind of athlete they feel like they haven't had in a while. It's like, oh, he can touch the ball and he's going to score right away. Yeah, I, I am in agreement with you guys. Um, that's why I had Mitchell and Juju closer together on the list than right. Trey and Justin is that I, I feel like even though Trey has a lot of potential and does bring some different things and what Justin does, I still feel like Justin is ahead of him yeah. and is going to get more work. Whereas I think it's a little bit up in the air. At the, at the end of the year, 
you know, who's going to have more catches between Juju and Steven Mitchell. Um, obviously, Juju's a great talent. He's kind of mature beyond his years, both physically and emotionally. Um, he has all the makings of a number one receiver, but there's no reason for them to force feed him in the manner in which they force fed Nelson Aguilar at times last year. You know, I mean, Nelson was kind of at a different stage of his career than a lot of the other guys in the group. Juju is only a sophomore. Um, he has emerged as a leader of that, of those guys, but I don't feel like his game has advanced so far or that his talent is so much greater than everybody else. Um, the way that I've put it many times is I could see Juju being number one, Stephen Mitchell being number one A. And it could go week by week, which one gets more catches, which one scores more touchdowns. Um, they also complement each other really well. Um, so, again, I can see the argument for Mitchell being ahead of Juju. I, just, I think it's a lot closer than, than the running backs we discussed earlier. An interesting pattern with this team in the last few years. Robert Woods broke out after a great freshman year. He broke out in his sophomore year. That's when he probably should have won the Blitnikoff. Marquis Lee won the Blitnikoff his sophomore year. Nelson Aguilar led the team in receiving his sophomore year when Marquis was battling injury, and then obviously he had a bigger junior year. He was healthier than either Robert or Marquis. But that's when we'd seen that jump. And Stephen Mitchell, for all intents and purposes, is a sophomore. And so is Juju. And I wonder if one of these guys can catch 100 balls. Or if that will happen, is what I mean. Like, yeah. I, maybe they both get 80. I don't know. But something tells me that Cody will find a groove with one of them and take off. And, and again, not, I, I would hope he wouldn't neglect the other. I think that's something that we did see to a degree last year with him and his other receivers. And I think that it, it probably helps him that he's on a more equal footing with Juju and Mitchell than he was with Juju and Nelson or, you know, Nelson and anybody else, really. But I, I feel like Mitchell playing that slot position and him being able to get open and I think a little bit more refined as a receiver is capable of having a special season. And maybe not All-American yet, I don't know, but definitely All-Conference. Well, I want to see where the ball's going first and you know what kind of offense they're, they're really using. Because like Michael mentioned before, last year I think we didn't really see everything they wanted to do, you know, yeah. just because of numbers or whatever. But you know, they talk about how it's a tight end friendly offense, how it's a you know wide receivers all over the place, three wide all the time kind of offense, how it's a run first kind of offense. I want to see what the offense actually is before I you know predict that. Yeah, you know, Stephen Mitchell and Juju are both going to have great years, or you know, if two running backs are really going to get so many carries, I just kind of want to see already. So. If I if I had to bet, if the, if the over under on Juju Smith's receptions was set at a hundred, oh, oh I, would take, I would I would probably take the under. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. Would and too. if Stephen Mitchell's was set at say sixty, over, I would take the over. You know, I could see it ended up ending up being something like 85 for Juju and 70 for Steven. You hmm. know, something along those lines. Well, um, I think the other thing with Steven, tell me if you agree or not, but I think he has to be great. I, I think that this offense needs it. 
again, because he's a different athlete, also without Bryce there, they need multiple targets to, to kind of, you know, I mean, Adore's going to play more, but I, I'm not convinced that Adore's going to be like a regular fixture on offense. I think that they, they're dependent on Mitchell being a big-time target. I, I, you know, we already expect that Juju will be that, but Mitchell, I, I believe, had like seven catches last year. We're talking about him as if he's already proven all this, but we're going off of what we've seen in, in spring and summer. They need him to be great. Yeah, they need more wide receivers. They need some other targets. I mean, I think they address that with the recruiting class too, you know, bringing in the Juco guys. It's like, hey, we have Juju. We need somebody else to really take over for Nelson's role. Yeah. Michael Liv from the Orange County Register USC Beat Reporter joining us on the TrojanSports.com podcast. I wanted to ask, Michael, because if you follow you on Twitter, at Michael J. Lev, you're a softball pitcher. Now, I want to get a softball game together one day with Adam J. Maya just so that I can see you pitch to Adam. I think you'd strike him out easily, <laughs> right? No, I highly doubt it. It's slow-pitch softball. It's not like I'm, I'm up there like Jenny Finch, you know, throwing oh, see, I got them as 100 I'm, miles an hour. I thought you would be a Jenny Finch type. More, more from your throwing ability, more than anything else. <laughs> Michael, are you are you retired? Or are you going to come back? No, I'm I'm not retired. I'll make a comeback at some point. I mean, the problem was that particular game, the game in which I got injured, I was playing second base and venturing mm-hmm. out into the outfield for a pop up, ah. which you know. So I, I feel like I was kind of like out, outside of my role, you know. Um, and I was also trying way too hard. So, you know, the lesson out there, the lesson, kids, as Homer Simpson once said, never try. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. All right, we're going to finish off his list here. Um, yeah. Kevon Seymour is eight, Toa seven, Juju six, Justin five, Max Turk four. I want to talk about the final three here. I'm sure you shuffled them around a little bit. Number three, Cody Kessler. Number two, Adoree Jackson. Number one, Sua Cravens? Sua Cravens. Were you waiting for me to say it? Is that what that was? No, I want to make sure you're paying attention. Oh, okay. Um, Good thing I was. Yeah, How was that a hard call? Well, I, I don't think that putting a Cody's third was a hard call. Um, there's obviously a natural tendency to put the quarterback number one in any of these rankings. And at the end of the year, if he ends up being a, a legit Heisman Trophy candidate, probably will be viewed as the MVP of the team. Um, it really wasn't the purpose of this particular exercise, though, because a lot of what I factored in was, you know, what if this guy got hurt? Yeah. What would happen then? And so the reason Cody got pushed down a little bit is he has a really good backup in Max Brown. I mean, I know he's not proven in game situations, but we've seen it on the practice field. We've seen it in these players-only workouts. I mean, this is a, a five-star quarterback who is pretty much ready to play. At this point, I feel like you could plug him in and he would do really well, uh, which isn't to take anything away from Cody Kessler. I mean, he is the clear leader of this team. Um, he has become a terrific college quarterback. They need him to do well with the team to do well. Uh, just I ranked him a little bit lower than those other guys because he's a little bit easier to replace. Um, I originally, if you recall, Adam, I think I had a Dory number one. You did. And two and number two. And that was kind of the debate that we had. And, ended up flipping it around. And the reason is that even though Adoree does so many different things, you could find 
a group of guys to do each of those things yeah. if necessary. You know, if if Sua Cravens were to go down, I think they would have to change the whole defense because I don't know of anyone on that team who can do what he does. At least, at, you know, at this point in their career. Do you agree? No, no. Sue uh, is irreplaceable. Very, yeah, very true. The uh, I actually, I totally agree with this top three. Besides one thing, I actually would have put Max Turek in for Cody Kessler. Oh, it was Swift, just because, uh, as Michael mentioned before, with uh, with Max Brown. But also, I feel like the offense is very quarterback friendly. Sarkeesian's offense, and you know, at center anyway. I mean, we saw the adventures they've had. No the one can get ball like Turk. I won't ever debate that with anybody. <laughs> but they've had adventures at center, like when you know before they kind of figured that out with him, and so I I kind of see him being higher. But that's just me. Good list though, Michael. I I enjoyed it. The other day it was funny. The other day, Turk was being asked by another reporter, "What's the name of that that snap that you do?" And Turk kind of looked at him like, "Huh? I, what are you what are you talking about?" And I, I overheard it because I was waiting to talk to Turk, and I'm like, "It's the dead ball snap." And but then I do like apologize, like, "Hey, I'm not trying to tell you what you do. That's what Drebno called it." <laughs> Turk is a big man, but um, yeah, Turk is a is a funny character. He, I don't know. I I I thought that you know he could probably be their best left tackle or their best left guard, but now he does seem like he's super valuable at center and. You know, maybe we underrate him. Do you ever feel that way, Michael? Like we might underrate Max Turk? Uh, do we underrate him? Does you know? I think he's gotten a lot of national acclaim, right? For sure. But we're, not, we're not. We're not watch list as yeah. far as like his draft stock goes. It seems like that's very high. I think we, when we look at him, I think we underrate him a little bit because of what you're talking about—the whole position thing. You know, I don't know if he's a natural center. Mm-hmm. Um, so long. I mean, he's a tall guy. You don't see a lot of, you know, six foot six centers. Um, there have been some. Usually those guys end up playing on the outside. Yeah. I think he has the ability to play on the outside. I think his versatility makes him especially attractive to the NFL. Um, if he was in a, you know, if it was a different set of circumstances at USC and he was kind of like, the sixth lineman, I think he'd be incredibly valuable to the team in that way because I think he could play any of the five positions. And you just don't find a lot of guys like that. But yeah. you know, at this point, he's, he's taken control of the situation. He's the leader of that group. He's the only senior you know, among all of those guys. Um, so I think he's, he's valuable in that way. I think if he went down, Tony Loban down had to play center, that they'd be all right. Yeah. But what I what I mentioned in the piece was that in that case you probably have three true sophomores from from one guard spot to the other uh, all in a row, and that's kind of a little bit less than ideal, I think, in terms of like of experience and being battle tested to have that many young guys you know anchoring the middle of that line. Number two, Adore Jackson, um, who wears number two. There's a lot of unknown with him. If you had to guess. How much offense do you think he'll end up playing? Because right now we don't know. It's July, and Stark has only intimated that he'll play more. But what what do you think is going to end up happening? Yeah, I mean, more can be more can be like a little more. Right. It could be a lot more. Yeah. Um. I mean, I know 
Sark wants to get the ball in his hands at least a handful of times a game because he he has seen what he's capable of doing. I mean, his play, his performance in the Holiday Bowl was breathtaking. You know, it was he incredible. He won that game. What that guy was, he won yeah, that he game. did. I mean, it's it's almost it's almost overlooked in a way because so much other stuff happened in that game. There was just a kind of a lot going on. Leonard had a big game. Cody had a big game. And, you know, it was kind of that late comeback in Nebraska. But, I mean, he had a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, which apparently uh, Sark told me he, that before that he game, Adoree told him, hey, hey, Sark, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to return a kickoff for a touchdown that game. And Sark's like, yeah, sure, okay. And do a backflip, right? He did. Can you tell him about the backflip? And do a backflip, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, uh, and then you know, it takes a very short pass and turns it into a long touchdown. So, so how much? You know, how much is too much? How much is the right amount? I mean, to me, if he's playing, let's say, 12, 15 snaps a game, and he gets five to six touches, I think that would be about right. Yeah, some people will don't want him playing any offense. I, I read a lot of that. I hear a lot of that, and I get where they're coming from. I think when you're around a jury every day you understand that he can do a lot more than just play corner every down. I'd like to see him get a good 15 to 20 snaps. I feel like it's so hard to get anybody the ball. You know, even even Adori, I feel like if you don't play him a dozen more than a dozen snaps, he might only have two catches or, or a, maybe a, a carry and two or three catches, and he can be pretty limited. Yeah, I think if you're really going to get that, that impact that he's capable of that we saw in the Holiday Bowl, you're not going to get it in a handful of plays. I mean, he he, he that, that touchdown that he got in the Holiday Bowl, I think he, he said he told me he played four plays of offense. So it happened to work out. But they were doing that throughout the year. There were many games where he did that. And he had a big gap um, from early in the year to later in the year where – he was irrelevant on offense. So you mentioned people that don't want him on offense at all and want him only on defense. I'm kind of the opposite. I want to see him less on defense because I feel like they've kind of figured out cornerback all of a sudden. You know, last year that it, that position was a little bit of an issue and he had to fill in and really be something special. I think they'll be okay there this year. So I'd actually like to see him have more of an offensive role. I think if you think about a receiving core that features Adoree Jackson, Stephen Mitchell, maybe Akili Ross or something like that, that's really hard to defend all of a sudden. Like that's like an incredibly explosive receiving core. So I'd like to see him get ten touches a game. Why not? Throw him some screen passes, get mm-hmm. him some carries like he did at Junipro Sarah. Figure it out. Get that guy the ball in his hands. I mean if you can do that to Nebraska in four plays, like what is he gonna do to Washington State, you know, if you throw him the ball ten times? Yeah, the more offense. I mean, he'll he'll be, he would be number one if we knew that he was gonna have a bigger role. Yeah. I, I so that's why I, I think I told Michael I told you that you should probably put Sue in number one because we know, you know, health permitting Sue is the most valuable player. Like we know his role, but Adori, you know, last year Adori could have been the most impactful player, and he's probably closer to like fifth. Because they limited him. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Great list. The thing is, the, uh, the, the thing is, if he plays 15 to 20 plays on offense, does that mean he's playing 15 to 20 fewer plays on defense? And if that's the case, are you, are you okay with that? I think, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. it's tough to swallow and it kind of depends on, 
the development of some of the other cornerbacks? You know, do you feel good about uh, Biggie Marshall being able to play right away or Jonathan Lockett right. stepping up into that kind of role? Um, and if they don't feel comfortable with those guys, then they're probably going to have to scale back on whatever the plan is as far as the Dory's offensive contributions go. I think that they're going to need to have a little bit more, more of a mindset of we're going to outscore them. Not that we're going to give up 40 points a game, but inevitably in the Pac-12, you're giving up points. No one's pitching a shutout. That 08 defense, like, that's not coming back. Those days are over, in, I think, in this age of college football. So that was a, a staff that Stark worked on in which they were content winning 17-3. You can't win like that anymore. If you score 17 like they were content with doing in the Arizona game and the Utah game, they should have lost the Arizona game by the way that they were playing. They did lose the Utah game yeah. because they didn't put them away, ASU. And so, and ASU, they, they scored, what, 34? So it was in the 30s. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they scored 34 points. 30, and, 31 they did. 34. And yeah. it wasn't enough. And so, I, I'm fine with playing a Dory, like I said, 15 to 20 plays, and maybe you lose him about 10 plays. But I, I, I don't think it's one for one. Adori can can handle more than just being a full time player on defense, right? I mean, have you how many how many athletes have you covered like Adori Jackson? You you've worked in the NFL. I don't know. He's he's an interesting guy. Just I don't know if I've ever been around anyone who's so confident. I mean, it's really unusual. He just really has this belief in himself that he can do anything. And he pretty much can do anything. And he doesn't. <laughs> um, it's weird. He's sort of like, it's like anything he says is kind of like a humble brag. Yeah. Um, but, but he backs it up. Um, and the way, he, the way he is, if you're around him, it's really hard to describe. But it doesn't come across as arrogant in any way. Um, even though if, if someone else said the same kind of things, it might. Um, I, like, I like what you're saying, Adam, about having that aggressive offensive mentality. And I think if Steve Sarkeesian takes that approach into game and, and really puts it into play, that he's going to win over a lot of the fans who still have doubts about him. All right. Uh, before we leave you, one other thing we wanted to touch upon here, and we appreciate your time, Michael. This week you reported on the recent documents involving Todd McNair and the NCAA and I want to know what your takeaway was because we did get a little bit of new information. I know we've kind of been through it over and over for years now, but did you have any uh, any revelation for you from what happened this week? The single biggest takeaway that I had is that there was an initial thought of what the of what the penalty should be that was revealed in one of those documents an email exchanged, you know, among members of the committee on infractions and the penalties like right around the time, you know, the hearing took place in February of 2010. And this email was sent out about four days later and, you know, it called for a one year bowl ban, which ended up being two, uh, you know, three scholarships <laughs> per year over two years. And it ended up being 30 over three years. And cap of you know cap of eighty two players, right. and it ended up being seventy five. I mean, if those were the actual penalties, I don't think anyone at USC would have complained that much. You know, we wouldn't be ha- we, you know we wouldn't have be having 
these same conversations years later, this lingering bitterness toward the NCAA. I mean, that that's a reasonable punishment for, for what USC did. And the problem that just about any rational person has with this whole situation is that the, the punishment never fit the crime. Right. Um, it was, it was grossly unfair. Um, so something happened between February of 2010 and June of 2010 when the actual sanctions came out and those documents reveal some of the internal discussions that led to, you know, a ramping up, um, of those penalties. Do you guys remember Mike Garrick's reply? To the whole situation, the jealous comment. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I remember. I, I didn't like it. You know, I, I, I'm an alumnus, and I just didn't like that attitude. And now I can't help but agree with him completely. I feel like <laughs> there was so much jealousy and envy and bitterness toward USC and what Pete Carroll had done the decade before that they were going to bury the program. Well, they had to make them seem like they were the biggest cheaters ever, and that's why they accomplished everything they did. That's what it's, that's what right. it came across as me. It's like, oh, they, you know, it, it was and almost because the Miami athletic director, the former Miami athletic director, was involved. It almost felt like you can't be better than Miami unless you cheat. Right. They were the new Miami. Yeah. It, well, and they were Miami, better. Miami, right. they, I mean, like honestly, yeah, they were better than run. Miami. Yeah. But Miami had had that great run. Um, I mean, really, from the '80s to the early 2000s, but. It ended, I think, in O two, yeah. And then USC got started, and it just kept going and going and going. And I mean, they probably aren't even anticipating Pete Carroll leaving. They're looking to take him out. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what because, would they have done? Because had he still been there, had he not, it would have been the same, right? I mean, especially he, if you think about he the, had a, he would have had a hard time. Now he probably would have done better than he would have done better than Kiffin, not probably, but. They're not winning the Rose Bowl every year with these sanctions. But if he got the sanctions that Michael talked about, that they were originally then, oh, then proposing. They're win- then they're winning. Yeah, which, but also those sanctions seem more consistent with what they've done with Ohio State and yeah. Miami since then. Then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, Pete Carroll's doing the exact same thing. You know, they're winning a national title in 2011 or something like that. Sure. So, who knew? You know, when, uh, Adam, you remember when Pete came, uh, he came for the uh, Hall of Fame induction. Right. Someone asked him, you know, why do you think the sanctions were so harsh? And he had a really interesting answer. He said, basically, you know, they didn't, they couldn't comprehend what we were doing. You know, it was, it was something that no one had ever seen before. Not only in terms of the success they were having, but how they were going about it. The fun they were having. Open practices, open practices, the celebrities on the sidelines, you know, just kind of the music blaring, all of that stuff. So it was kind of, it was kind of hard for them to understand. And there's sometimes when you're faced with something that you can't comprehend, there's sort of a natural sense of fear that kicks in maybe. Yeah. So I think that was part of it. Um, there was also obviously a sense within the committee on infractions that they wanted to make an example of USC and they succeeded in doing that. Um, whether it was fair or not. Yeah. It reminds me of the way people feel about the Patriots the way they feel about LeBron James. It just seems like anybody who can maintain success at a high, high level for an extended period will be targeted. I mean, the the even you know, the Lakers before them, 
I feel like the only dynasty I can remember, you know, in the last 20 years where people were not out to destroy them was Jordan's Bulls. It seemed like yeah, for some most reason. people were on that bandwagon. Yeah, I, that's weird. That's a good point, and I don't really understand why, because if you think about some of Michael Jordan's personal issues, they could have totally yeah. you know, torn that down the way they did some of these other dynasties. Good point, Adam. I, I just think that there was a lot of you know pent-up frustration with USC being great every year and potentially winning the national championship and getting every five-star recruit and enjoy, living a life on the West Coast. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, think, and I think what you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Mike Garrett earlier. And with, this is old ground, but it's, it's worth, you know, recovering a little bit. Um, the, their whole approach to the situation didn't help. Yeah. You know, they, they, they really they did it poorly. They didn't, they weren't as helpful as they could have been. They didn't really play ball. Um, you know, Todd McNair was very resistant to a lot of the questioning, which is understandable because you know, he was, his career was kind of at stake. Um, if they had gone along and self-sanctioned, again, things probably would have been different, and it's, it's all 20-20 hindsight at, uh, at this point. But I think there's a lot to what you're saying, you know, that, that USC was targeted for a lot of reasons, and it's the unusual run of success was one of those reasons. Yeah, which is stupid. It's so stu- I mean, <laughs> that's why I didn't believe it. At, at first, I'm like, okay, that's just kind of fan speak. But now, I mean, no, it's totally unprecedented, and, and nothing, no other penalty that's come after has touched the USC sanctions. No. And th- what happened happens at every college program every year. There's right. a kid on USC's roster right now probably taking improper benefits, you know, and the school probably doesn't know about it, just like they did with Reggie Bush. It happens everywhere. All the time. Yeah. You can't prevent those kinds of things. I don't care how you know, p- many people you have on your enforcement staff. We're talking about relationships that people have off campus right. hundreds of miles away. Oh, like, it's, it's actually, actually one real quick point. Chris, it's actually worse what goes on at other schools. Well, that's true. It's not the same. I mean, it's worse at Ohio State, Florida State. Uh, yeah, know, go on and on and on. I was it's, even thinking about you like know, the, you know like the Stanford's and the Cal's of the world, like places where you don't think of oh rampant cheating, like they're not you know they're not a national title contender that's going to pay a kid you know to win. Those places even get kids taken improper benefits. It's everywhere. There you go, Michael Lev. Thank you for an extra long segment. We'll go ahead and uh, rent you a house for next month. Just uh, we'll do it out of the Trojan <laughs> sports budget, so nobody will know. Okay. <laughs> thank you so thank much you as guys. always. All right, bro. Really be good. You, Michael. Bye, bye, Michael. Bye. Okay, thanks to Michael for joining us, friend of the show, at uh, on Twitter, at Michael J. Lev. And, of course, you can get to that list that we were covering, the 15 Most Valuable Trojans of 2015. He posted it on the Orange County Register, and he's got the link in his Twitter profile. Time for questions from the message board. We play the music, and we begin with Ku Klux Clown, gold member, our old friend. He's got a, quite a bit here. I'll read it all, and then, uh, Chris, you can take it from there. Based on a recent interview with Velas Jones, it sounds like there's at least a 50-50 chance he will sign with a school closer to home. With this in mind and the commitments of Sydney, Vaughn's, Imotorbebe, and Pittman at the position, how do the coaches approach this spot? Do they urge McKinley to commit? Do they ask Jones to officially commit and wait he's not done? Do they keep the course and focus on alignment and then figure it out as it gets closer to National Signing Day in February? Thanks, fellas. Appreciate the response. Go ahead with that response, Chris. All right. Well, I just spoke with Vilas Jones today, actually. Um, I don't think he's 50-50. I think there is a chance he won't sign with USC. He is going to take official visits come fall to other schools, but I think that he'll probably stick with USC. Um 
So I think that what US, what USC is going to do is they're going to you know keep recruiting guys, but not really worry about that position so much. They're really stacked up right now. They will be stacked up. I don't think they need to take four or five, but they definitely can. So I think they're just you know kind of seeing how things go. I don't think they're going to try to get McKinley to commit. I think they kind of urged him to look elsewhere. I don't think they're going to ask Jones to decommit either because um, I think there's probably a really good chance he stays on board. He has a really good relationship with T. Martin. And they want him. And they want him. So, yeah, I think they're going to focus on other positions and, you know, like they have in other classes when it comes time to figure these things out around February. If they need extra spots, maybe they drop somebody, maybe they don't. We'll see. It's receiver recruiting. It's always very interesting. <laughs> okay, we move on. Chicago Trojan fan. How much better do you believe the defense could be now that the starters won't have to be playing special teams anymore due to increased depth? Uh, you know, I don't think depth on the defensive side of the ball is actually that much better than it was last year. They added, you know, some freshmen along the defensive line, but I don't get the impression that now all of a sudden they have a really good three deep on defense or whatever. So, hmm. oh, it sounds like you disagree. Uh, well, Adam just likes to go three deep. Sorry. I, <laughs> That's a bad. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it is a big deal. I feel like I feel like the the scholarships is where you heard it came, and that's why we talked yeah. to Michael. They went from you know conceivably uh, eliminating three a year to ten a year because they knew how that would affect them. And I feel like now that they brought in a full class and they brought they already implemented last year, even though it was only you know fifteen people. It was a full class because they used most of them. Yeah. They didn't redshirt very many people. They redshirted very, very few. So you already have a full class of freshmen that have been integrated. And now you have another full class that you're going to integrate. And you're going to put a lot of them on special teams. I think that we're going to see a different type of fourth quarter from this team. All right. I mean, the fourth quarter determined eight and four from 10 and two. I just kind of, I think that my personal opinion I see the rotation on offense coming along mm-hmm. defense I still like at linebacker I know they have a lot of freshmen I still want to see those freshmen before I'm convinced that their rotation there is good I'm still worried about the rotation at safety yeah so but they got they got we'll bodies see. there okay they, they got more linebackers they have defensive linemen we don't know which freshmen are gonna emerge but I think when you have that many you're going to hit on a couple. A couple will be ready early. I'm going to say one more year for depth. A couple linebackers are already ready. That, that might be true, but I'm going to say I want one more year before I'm saying I think they're deep on defense. I think it's different. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Though I think they'll be deeper than they were last yeah. year. I yeah. love it when you guys fight a little bit. It's fun. It deeper. makes a better show. <laughs> we uh, continue. Kill Mitch, a gold member, also <laughs> kind of new to our uh, message board segment. Welcome, Kill Mitch. With Leonard Williams and J.R. Tavai moving on, the D-line looks questionable. Who are going to be reliable pass rushers this year? Is Jabari Ruffin expected to step in and dominate? Who else? You need multiple pass rushers to win at an elite level. Kill Mitch makes a quality point, Chris Swanson. Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, I think the defensive line is definitely a question mark. Obviously, he mentioned two guys that are leaving; they're going to be, you know, might cause some issues for them. I think Jabari Ruffin is kind of expected to come in and and play well. Even I, I'm not going to say dominate because we haven't really seen him play yet. Yeah, but you know, he's an older guy. He was the big time recruit. He looks like he's physically prepared and ready to go. So I think that is their guy there at that rush end spot. As for other pass rushers, I think that's kind of a wait and see. I'm not that sold on Scott Felix yet at the rush end position, although I think he's pretty quality. He might be a good enough backup where that is a second guy that, you know, could play at a championship level. I don't know, wait and see, but I think there's some promise there. 
Cody Temple says Gelbon Simmons. We think Claude Pallone is going to yeah. have a big year. Um, Sewell Cravens is a player that the offense talks about. They have a hard time with him figuring out what he's going to do. I think that a lot of people feel that way. I think he'll be a player that will have an impact as a rusher. Mm-hmm. It, it won't be a, a consistent role for him, but I think it's something that is going to pop up throughout the game. Um, Quentin Powell looks like somebody that can sneak in there yeah. and get to the quarterback. Maybe in a, in a pass obvious situation. Then, yeah. you know, if that's the case, then I think all of a sudden, you know, that's a good point. They have more guys now. They have, they have a committee Powell. of people. Yeah, now all of a sudden, maybe Don Hill's healthy. Maybe Porter Gustin, even though he's a freshman, they're like, hey, it's he's definitely throwing the ball, so why don't you just rush that guy and he's good. Good point, Adam. Yeah, they well, might be okay there. I think last year they were really trying to figure out what they were doing. Yeah. And it's good that the majority of them came back because I think they're going to play a lot more naturally. I agree. Okay, find a question from our old friend Marty S.C. Psych. What would be a message board segment without him? With the number of scholarships still available, what are the chances of the staff signing another running back besides Stovall? Is it a foregone conclusion that Holyfield will stay in the Southeast? Thanks for your opinions on this question. And you pr- even provide a few. It, it, now, wait a minute. Before we read this compliment, wasn't it Marty who complimented us last week, or was that somebody else? Might have been somebody else. But well, we, we don't usually get compliments. But we're getting now. This is back-to-back weeks. Of compliments? Yeah, and he says you wow. even provide a few laps along the way, even if they are at Adam's expense. It's always at Adam's expense. Just, yeah. just kidding. <laughs> Marty, I like, I'm going to go ahead and like this. I like Wow, Marty. do it. Are you going to reply to his comment? You want me to reply? I do. I, don't I want you to I be involved that. in our message. Don't oh, I just say click that. reply. Yeah, Here we don't, go. Don't say that. You know Marty? How to okay, let's answer his question. i answer it. Um, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not really feeling USC's chances to get another no, no, no. tailback. I think, uh, you know, we, we mentioned Elijah Holyfield as he did. I think he does stay in the South, even though I'm not ready to say it's a foregone conclusion just because family ties. It's still there. early. It's early, yeah, but. They got to get him to visit. Yeah. But, you know, he's in Georgia, Auburn, Georgia, two big teams down there that usually get those kids. He has a big family. So I want, I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion, but I don't expect, you know, Elijah Holyfield. To, to come to USC. I feel the same thing about Kareem Walker, the Ohio State commit, who said he would officially visit back when we were at Baltimore. I don't expect him to decommit from Ohio State and go to USC. I'd actually think that Arizona State even has a better chance at him than the Trojans do. So I'm going to say no, but we never know. They could offer somebody late. We've mentioned Romello Harris on other shows. There are other guys out there. Adam, take right, it away. Well, right now, I think they're open to the idea of adding a guy. But I don't think that they're completely serious to it or serious about it either. And I think that if they produce the way that they're capable of between Trey Madden and Justin Davis, then you might see one of these guys like Kareem Walker or Holyfield or another young running back who, you know, we kind of know little about right now but emerges themselves in high school wanna come. Yeah. USC still kill back you. If they have 2,000-yard rushers, they can add another guy. A lot of it is going to depend on Justin Davis. Yeah. If he comes back, then they're, they're fine with one. They're, they're fine with yeah. Mel Keats. But if he's leaving the league, mm-hmm. they'll probably try to bring in another one. I'm with you. A couple points here is that what they did do with Mel Stovall is add the kind of tailback that they needed to add in this class if they were taking one because you think – Hey, who they need on all the purpose exactly? Who on the roster is like Melky Stovall? Well, Dom Davis, and that's it. So right. they already have you know a few other guys that can do different things. And the other thing is we mentioned late additions. 
just think back to Buck Allen, you know, back in that class, I believe it was 2011 when he was added. He was added, you know, offered a scholarship, committed last minute, like the whole thing right like, at uh, signing yeah. day, like right at the end there. So and, that could happen again. And, and he came because, you know, part of it was I'm going to USC. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to a running back rich school. Yeah. And he's the guy they offered late that wasn't highly rated. And look what he did at USC, too. Yeah. So we might not even have this guy on our radar. And then all of a sudden, maybe a Romel Harris comes in and becomes a superstar. Yeah. Well, Romel's on our radar. But well, he's on our, I'm, but he doesn't yeah. have an off. That was yeah. my point. So. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you to everyone who asked questions on the message board. We'll do it again next week. This special Sunday edition, recording edition of the Sabbath edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. Thank you, boys, for coming in on a Sunday. We will see you next week. Any final thoughts? No. I'm ready no. to go. I don't have thoughts ever. No, never. And thank you to Michael Lev, of course, from the Orange County Register for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Love you, Michael. We go out far? with. <laughs> that's okay because we go out with goodbye horses, and uh, you know we all remember that scene. In fact, Chris is going to go reenact that scene later on. <laughs> we'll see you next week, everybody, on the Trojansports.com podcast. Buffalo Bill. Would you do me? I'd do me. I'd do me so hard. <laughs> <laughs>